0: and Anian. I was thinking this week about some of the differences in auto repair and how it varies by region across the country. It's all bound by one common thing, and that's technology. My doctor the problem is what's under the hood now it's so radically different the technology is just light years apart every year it seems to multiply itself out what you're working on it's not your father's old mobile not to sound cliche welcome to the radio home of ron and anion the car doctor since 1991 this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair if your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, come on in, sit down. Ronnie. And, and the car doctor, pull up a chair. Let's talk about your car and anything else that you want to talk about regarding automobiles, your mechanic, the repair shop. Maybe you own a repair shop. Maybe you don't want to own a repair shop anymore. Maybe you're looking for a repair shop. Whatever it is, Ron and the Car Doctor at your service. I got you covered. 855-560-9900. 855-560-9900. That's the phone number to get in and talk to the Car Doctor today as always. That number is also 24-7. You call 855-560-9900 and leave a message if we're not on the air. We are live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time here in the continental United States. I have to say that because we are not only syndicated across the country, but syndicated around the world via the Internet. So if you call 855-560-9900 and leave a message, and this radio show is not on the air, I'm not behind the microphone at that particular moment, you can leave a message, and Fast Harry will call you back and line you up for the next week because we've made it so that there's a messaging service. We want to talk to you. Tell us what's bugging you. Tell us what's going on with your car, and we will call you back, and we'll solve it for you. That's what this radio show does and has done for the past 25 years. More information about us, naturally, cardoctorshow.com. We all have a website, and we can also tell you that there are links there for TuneIn.com, iHeart, iHeartRadio, iHeart.com, and iTunes.com. And if you need me during the week, Ron at cardoctorshow.com, you send me an email. I've been known to respond to emails all hours of the day and night. Uh, I don't sleep a lot these days. I'm always up working strange hours, and uh, you might be surprised at 3 o'clock in the morning what comes across your desk. And I sit there and I say, well, did you try this or did you try that? Because just like fixing cars, that's what it's all about. I guess fixing cars has always been a, a, a curiosity for me, and it's something that has not diminished over time. And it's something that I look at, and I, I I guess as I'm getting older now, I look back at the technology that was there once and where it is now, and I'm just staggered by it. And some of the repairs leave me scratching my head saying, is it really like this? Are we really going to have this issue in terms of there's just doesn't seem to be a lot of common sense? 1999 was a while ago, but a 1999 Lexus. RX300 came into the shop at Ari Automotive this week, and it really wasn't here for the problem we found. But what it turned into became a little bit interesting. Came in for an oil change and a checklist, our, our, our seasonal checklist. I guess we're world famous for at this point because of our, our our overseas internet connection. And it was, you know, checklist: what does it need in terms of fluids, filters, tires? People are getting ready for spring and summer driving season here in the continental U.S., as I guess is around the world, and, you know, tell me what's wrong with my car. It had no brake lights, absolutely none. And the funny part is the the, the vehicle owner, who is a, a pretty, you know, in-tune, awake, uh, you know, I would, I would trust who he's going to vote for, for president type of guy, you know, he just sort of knows what's going on, wasn't even aware of it. Car had absolutely no brake lights. Now, what's really interesting is that Lexus, Toyota, a lot of cars of this genre and and going forward, true to this day, have a warning system. If you have no exterior lights, it it flashes a a warning on the dashboard, and it wasn't on. So I went through the basics. I, I went through the obvious stuff and looked at the fuse and, you know, pulled out a bulb and looked at a bulb. Could he have burnt out all three bulbs? No. All right, so then let's start, let's start pulling power and seeing where are we missing it. Lo and behold, the brake light switch was good. I tested it, the yellow with the light green, and traced it all the way back and went looking for something called a lamp failure sensor. Pay attention, because if you own one of these cars, you're going to want to know where this where this is. On this particular era Lexus, and I understand it's there on Toyotas as well, it's tucked in the left rear corner of the vehicle, just above the gas door, on the inside of the inner fender well, which means you have to take the interior part to get to it. It's kind of tough taking apart a, a 16-year-old interior, all plastic, settled in its ways. The clips don't respond. The plastic has absolutely no flexibility left to it at all. And you're trying not to break anything because if you break something, well, how are you going to get parts for an interior for a 16-year-old car? Sure enough, took it apart, got the interior panels out, and found this sensor, for lack of a better way to put it. My cell phone is bigger, all right? And that's no lie. I've got an LG four and uh, you know, it's a pretty big phone, but my cell phone is bigger than this, than this module in terms of overall diameter. And it's amazing that, yeah, I diagnosed it. It was bad. Anybody want to guess how much this little, I should make that, you know, I should make, nah, they could look it up on the internet. I was going to say, I can make that a Facebook question, give away a t-shirt, but $454 for a module half the size of your of your of your cell phone that and you can't have brake lights without it now a couple of places I was doing some reading online and some even in the database that I subscribe to that they're telling me how they bypass the sensor and they they modify the harness the reason I didn't opt for that the reason I don't like that is heaven forbid the car gets in an accident, well, you modified it off a factory, did the brake lights really work, it puts a shadow of doubt, in the, in the insurance liability factor it comes over to our side, and naturally, we're going to be the criminals, we're the last ones that touched it, so now we don't want to do that. Started looking on eBay, the customer was able to find one, that $454 sensor, for just under 90 bucks. So I say that to you, if you happen to need one, or you, you, you think you've got an older car where the electronics are a little bit crazy and out of line. And I talked to Hal, and we discussed the conversation. I said, you know, it's a used part. I can't really tell you that it's, you know, able. I'm able to guarantee it. I can put it in for you, charge you to put the interior back together, et cetera, and, you know, drive and see what happens. And we agreed that seemed to make the most sense because to spend what amounts to almost $500 on a piece for a car that goes five miles a day didn't really make any kind of rational conversation in my head. Bottom line, you look at technology today and what it costs, and I guess really that's what auto repair is all about. What does it cost? What will it cost? And it's getting tougher to justify the expense of repair, but it's also getting tougher to justify the expense of replacement. I want to talk a little bit later on this hour. I've I've pulled out some want ads, dealerships in terms of cars they're selling, It's so hard to find a $5,000 car for that first-time driver that's just beginning, and it doesn't have to be mechanically perfect or body perfect, but mechanically sound. What do you put your kids in? And we'll talk about that a little bit later on this hour. But as Hal found out, you can find some electronic bargains on eBay. He ended up picking one that had a 30-day return policy, so the part itself has warranty. And if he needs another one, he can get another one, and it won't be a major hassle for him to do it. So just another way to look at it, that not all repairs condemn you to the block, that you have to go out and spend big dollars on parts. But just be mindful that as the electronics grow and the technology grows, so will the repair bills of the existing car as well as the repair bills on the newer car yet to be purchased. It's not that buying a new car means you don't spend any money. You just don't spend any money on repairs, and you don't spend any money on repairs for the first three to four years. Hello and welcome. Ron and and The Car Doctor, here, 855-560-9900, here to take your calls and answer your questions. We've got a full bank of phones. I can look at them now. You can try and get in, 855-560-9900. I'm Ron and and The Car Doctor. We'll return right after this.
1: my 409 she's real fine. my 409.
0: my 409. hey welcome back we're on the we'll car Save doctor eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero 560 is the car doctor's 24 7 number give us a call we'll talk to you and answer your car question for you um just real quick before we go over to the phones i've been meaning to talk about this on air the past couple of weeks we've just been busy and i want to get it out there today we talk about technology. Oh, how technical is a car? It's an engine, it's gas, it's oil, it's tires. It's not a big deal. Denso issued a press release recently. Denso invests in semiconductor laser technology startup Trilumina. Southfield, Michigan, Denso International has invested in Trilumina Corp, an innovative semi-laser conductor technology company that focuses on providing light sources for interior illumination products. Denso is looking to speed up the adoption of dri- and driver monitoring technologies and advanced driver assistance systems, which are key technologies used in autonomous, that's self-driving vehicles. This strategic investment enables Trilumina to gain broader access to the automotive market. You want to know where this industry's going? <laughs> I bet you there's maybe eight years left before self-driving cars are widespread, and it's going to be, you drive yourself to work? You sit in traffic every day? What are you, crazy? I bet you it's. I bet you it's going to happen really fast. We're 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 seeing Star Trek occur. So I just want to point that out. That you look at it, and you're going to blink, and you're going to go, "Wow!" I mean, think about it. Semiconductors, laser technology. We're talking about a car, not the Starship Enterprise. We're talking about something that rides on the ground, not flies in the air. Lasers and semiconductors. So they're already in use, but now they're going to be in use at a higher level, doing something different. I just. I wanted to bring that out. I thought that was interesting. Let's get over to the phone. Sal, the Bronx, New York, 97 Ford Explorer. My mom's from the Bronx, Sal. Riverside, I think she was on Riverside Drive way back when. So
1: Yeah, I'm on the east side. So, I'm on the east side, Ron. How are you? Good,
0: sir. How can I help you? Well,
1: I have a 97 uh, Ford Explorer, which um, I left my friend to start it for me every other day or so. Right. So I just returned from uh, South America, and when I got there, the battery is dead. They, they didn't start it for me, as I said to them, you know. So now it's been like almost six months without this truck being started. Uh-oh. So i like to know what precautions should I take in starting this car?
0: Well, and what kind of environment was it stored in, Sal?
1: It's It's outdoors. Um, you
0: know, I have an outdoor parking lot. Right. What kind of shape is the battery in?
1: The battery is shot. Okay. So I got a new, I got a new battery I just bought uh, the
0: other day. Okay. So, yeah, and, and the reason I say that is because even if you and for everyone else's benefit, even if, even if the battery was able to be charged or if the battery was marginal, my concern is that the battery is marginally. You're going to start this truck up after a five-month hibernation, and that right. alternator is going to be screaming, trying to bring it up the level. So, no need to put an unnecessary load on anything. Uh, you're better off either replacing it, or as you know, as you did, or if it's if it's dead, if it can be charged, charging the battery. So that's one. Uh, uh, number one, I would find the fuel pump inertia switch, which, if memory serves me correct, is in the right kick panel up front, or it's in the back, on the. I'm going to say right side. I think it's on the right side in the okay. rear on that Explorer.
1: Is it like the driver's side?
0: Um, it might be there, too. Okay. It's, it's one of it's, – if it's, if it's in the rear, I take that back. If it's in the rear, it's probably left side. If it's in the front, it's the right front corner. Right. Okay. All right. And it'll be in the owner's manual, exact location for a 97. But the fuel pump inertia switch is the device that if you're in a parking lot or – I'm sorry, if you're in an accident – I'll tell you the parking lot comment in a minute. If you're in an accident and the vehicle is hit, it will it, it it sets a as it says inertia switch. It reacts to the motion of being hit. It will turn the fuel pump off. It it That's it tough. breaks the contact. It's a breakaway. Right. And I know
1: some car, Some vehicles have that in the back of the trunk.
0: Right. And That's it will it will stop the fuel pump from running so that in the event of an accident and a broken fuel line, it doesn't spew fuel all over the place. But in your case, if you find that, give it a tap with a screwdriver handle. Not much, just a little, okay? And it doesn't have to be a big, a medium-sized straight-blade screwdriver, something like that. Just give it a tap. You'll hear, and that's the ball inside setting, and you'll see the little white button up top rise up. That means that it's disabled, all right? And what that means is you can now crank the engine over without it starting. It won't have any fuel pressure.
1: Right, there's no fuel. All right.
0: All right. What I'd like to see you do, do you have a, a gauge for oil pressure or a light for oil pressure?
1: I believe it's a light.
0: Okay. I'd like to see you crank it until the light goes out. Okay. All right. And, you know, easiest thing is turn the key on. Don't crank it. The oil light should come on just so that you realize it's working. Right. All right, and then crank it until the light goes out. It'll build up oil pressure or at the very least 12 15 seconds, something of that order. All right? Okay. When you when you left and then reset the switch and start it and you'll be fine. When you left, where was the oil change on this? Had it just been done or is it due or um it, it's like it was like in between, maybe like
1: 1500 miles. And, you know,
0: right. Right.
1: right. Should I should I take the spark plugs down and, and force something into the holes? Or?
0: I think it's a lot of effort for naught. I don't think it's that critical. It's only five months. I don't think we need to get that nuts. Okay. Um, uh,
1: you I, don't think anything will happen with the, uh, with the rings in, inside the cylinder?
0: If it's happened, it's already happened. All okay. right. The fact that they haven't moved, the fact that the rocker arms haven't moved, the load on the valve springs hasn't changed in five months. You know, if if the damage has occurred, it's already occurred. And that's one of the reasons why I want you to spin it around uh, before we put the load of compression on it, you know, something firing and the and the load of, of of power on it and and so forth. Let's let's wake up the oil a little bit and see what that does for you. So, all right, kiddo?
1: All right. Thank you very much. You're John. very fine. And lastly, um, is there any way you could send me one of your t-shirts?
0: Why would I do that, Sal? I
1: don't know. I'm a nice guy. Uh,
0: and you're from the Bronx. You know what, Sal? The yeah. b- the Bronx is coming in loud and clear today. Let's send Sal a T shirt. My mom will be all excited. Um all right. maybe, maybe, yeah. I'll, maybe I'll get my mom to deliver it. She's ninety two years young and uh whoops. Well, can, I'm not supposed or, to say that on radio. Look, <laughs> or I can be her
1: just send it
0: over there. Uh, you know, she'll uh, she'll come deliver it. You'll have to take her on a tour of the of the uh of the, of the old neighborhood, so she'd appreciate it. Yeah. Sal, stay on the line. Fast Harry will get your name and address. We'll get that Ron and the Car Doctor t-shirt out there to you. Uh, I'm in a good mood today. It's it's, it's a nice spring day uh, here in Car Doctor land, so um, let's do that. Sal, good luck to you, and uh, thanks for being a loyal listener. 855-560-9900. Hey, coming up next, a conversation about push-button technology. Is there a push-button car in your future? Probably. What do you need to know? Stay tuned. I'm Annie and the Car Doctor. To a class this week talking about push button car technology you know the smart cars smart keys smart buttons you the cars that you walk up to with the fob in your hand and there's no key really there's a there's an emergency key maybe but there's there's no key otherwise where you would normally open the car door uh, with it would just be hit the button get in the car and start it by pushing a button. This is presenting a a a, a slew of issues in in many ways. Um, uh, that's really uh, an interesting conversation when you stop to handle it and look at it. And on one side, people love it. It's great technology. On the other, <laughs> it, it, it's just gonna continue to grow. Got an article in front of me um, from our. A listener out in Chicago we have one listener in Chicago no I'm only kidding I say it like that but I always think of Anthony as our Chicago listener Anthony Emilio he's a retired Chicago police uh, officer and he's actually got half the department listening to us now he says on podcast um, and you know it's 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 interesting uh, the article starts this was a local uh, column out there um, that they have written in their paper Hey, my wife bought a new car with keyless start. after using it, neither of us can figure out why automakers wanted to push this. You must still have the fob with you, and the fob is bigger, and thus more of a nuisance to carry than a key. All it appears to do is replace putting the key in and turning it with a push button. Not exactly a prodigious, prodigious saving of personal energy. We don't get it. This is from a gentleman in Park Ridge, Illinois. The answer was the metal key may soon join the hand crank as a method of starting the engine. This is why I was talking about this. Digital key fobs are not only more secure... You can't open the door with a coat hanger. There is virtually no risk of an ignition switch failing. Ford has eliminated keys on all but the transit vans. GM is moving in the same direction. Starting in 2017, Volvo begins eliminating the key fob altogether. The Swedish car maker plans to replace it with a smartphone app. Yeah, I can see this working. Of course, there's a growing concern that these systems may get hacked. We shall see. And I I think the author here, Bob Webber, the motormouth, is spot on. I think he's I think he's correct because I can't see in the Volvo situation. Okay, a young person. You know, this is the logic here. A young person is apt, is is very likely to use their their phone app to start the car. I mean, you know, let's face it, the kids adapt to technology better than, you know, middle middle aged than the older folks. But you know, is somebody like oh, my mother in law who had a Volvo up till two years ago? Is she's gonna use a phone app she's going to look at that and say that's a pain in the neck she'll actually say it's something else but uh, this family radio um, I can't see people starting the car with that so that's on one side of the coin the other is there was a recent article that was titled the hidden potentially dangers of keyless car ignitions and it talks about the problem uh, It's uh, specifically about a Florida mama and the infant son nearly died because when the mom came home She forgot to turn the car off. She was on the phone. She was distracted, whatever the case was. She came home, went in the house, took the sun. The car was so quiet, which is the other problem. The cars are so quiet today that she went into the house. The car was parked under the house. You know, it's a two-story where the, the bedrooms are above the garage. And closed the garage door, and five hours later, she... Noticed that she had been downstairs, so she went upstairs. She noticed that the room smelled funny and her son was acting out of sorts. And it turns out he had carbon monoxide poisoning. She forgot to turn the car off. Uh, Yeah, mom's bad. I get that. All right? That's not the point. But on one hand, we've got conversation that we're going to continue to use keyless fobs. On the other, we're talking about the dangers of it. And the technology, we're advancing before we are able to deal with it. How did we get on this track? I went to class this week. And once again, the good folks at BuyWise Auto Parts here in New Jersey put on a heck of a seminar. And we were talking about push-button and keyless car ignitions and how it starts. So the conversation in the class, Luis was teaching class this week, and he, he started the conversation with, in the old days, you would walk up to a car that had a key ignition and it wouldn't start. You'd turn the key and it had no dash lights, no sound, nothing would happen. What do you test? And everybody raised their hand and said, okay, battery and, and, and uh, ignition switch, uh, not ignition switch, battery and starter and cables and uh, terminals and things like that. Great, we get it. The keyless car with no ignition switch comes up, does the same thing. Nothing happens. Doesn't light up. How do you diagnose that? How do you work on that car? And we kind of looked at ourselves and we started thinking about it. One fellow in the back of the room said, well, I'd start with the battery. And maybe, I mean, that's a possibility, but it's it's not likely very often. So getting past the battery, where do you go? Is it a starter? How would you know? Uh, Why would it be a starter? There's no power on the dash. There's no lights. There's no you know, you can't even get to the point of turning on lights to the stage where you would go to crank it. And it just goes clicker, no sound, but the lights work. And it went around the room and everybody was making some ideas and some suggestions. And one fellow said, hey, I plug in a scan tool, which actually is the right answer to a degree. Plug a scan tool in and talk to the vehicle computer. The problem is. If you can't turn on the ignition switch, if you can't if the pushing the button doesn't turn anything on, there's nothing awake in the car that allows you the scan tool to read. The modules aren't awake. The average keyless ignition car has four modules involved in waking the car up and sending sending and receiving proper signal to identify is it really you, is it the right key, is the car capable of starting? And then engine controllers and trans controllers get involved and other things go on and occur in order to make that vehicle run. So where do you go? The answer is you're going to, in many cases, start to look at the ignition button itself. The ignition button is going to have to come out of the dashboard, which on some cars, not a big deal. On other cars, half the car is going to have to come apart. So it really makes the case, have we thought the way out clearly for keyless car ignitions? Are we doing the right thing? I saw an article two weeks ago. It was a conversation about the value of technology and the value of newer cars. And in the end, the author closed it out by saying, what technology today is going to do is make cars built before 1988 that much more valuable. Why they chose that timeline, I don't know. But it was cars built before 1988 are going to become that much more valuable because there's less electronics on them, and perhaps that's the reason, although I can make the argument for cars as as new as 95. 95 and older is still a good you know, 20 years ago, it's still a pretty good, safe generation of automobile to consider and look at. So where are we going? You've got to wonder, and you've got to be aware, because the automobile is going to look so different in five years. If companies like Denso that I talked about prior are investing in or semiconductors and laser technology, what's the car of the future going to look like? And remember, don't say, well, you're just going to continue to drive an older car because I've had this conversation with many of you over the years. And technically, all they have to do is turn off the parts supply. No more parts, no more car. The masses are all driving newer cars with push-button technology that if you forget to shut it off, it will it might uh, give you some carbon monoxide poisoning or kill you, heaven forbid. So just be aware of technology and be aware of where it's going. And don't rush out to buy it immediately. Let it come to you. eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Annie, and the car doctor, back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron Anini and in the Car Doctor, 855 9900 No phone calls right now, though, because right now is fast becoming what everybody is, favorite part of the show, our Facebook t-shirt giveaway. That's right. If you'd like your very own Car Doctor t-shirt, Ron Anini and in the Car Doctor, get out to our Facebook page, Ron Anini and in the Car Doctor, and like the page. It's all you have to do. Well, that, and you have to ask us a question. We're looking for information. We want to see what makes you guys tick, and we've decided to entice it a little bit. We're going to get you to like the page, ask a question. We choose your question. Answer it up here on air, this segment, this this portion of the hour every week. We send you a Ron and in the Car Doctor t-shirt. So uh, without any further ado, Tom, who's our uh, winner this hour?
2: Well, we have Lance Bopal. Okay. Uh, and he says, Ron, what's your opinion concerning the wisdom of trading in your car at around 100,000 miles before it needs the midlife maintenance, which in the case of a Honda cost around $2,500, and then keeping the car until repairs exceed the monthly payments of a new car. Does he happen to say what year the Honda is that he wants to trade in? He doesn't, but he says the car now has virtually no value or traded in while it still has considerable value. He wants to know what's your opinion on doing either or.
0: I think it depends on how fast it gets to 100,000 miles. I think that's part of the equation. If and I've seen this. We just had a twenty. We just had a twenty thirteen Ford Escape in the shop, that was what three years old. Just about two and a half, three years old. It's got one hundred and three thousand miles on it. Sounds like mine. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's it's so. At what point now? All they've done to the car is brakes and tires, a little bit of sus, a little bit of suspension work, some oil changes, things like that. But they haven't put a lot of money in the car. And you have to believe that now 100,000 miles is half-life. I call it the half-life of the car. It's, it's, most cars today will go 200,000 miles. So at that point, does it pay for him to put 2,500 in it or drive it to the 200,000-mile mark? Even in a case like that, even though it's worth something, I guess you have to crunch the numbers because... And it's a numbers thing from the perspective of what are you going to go buy? If you're going to go from a Ford Escape to a Ford Festiva for conversation's sake something really tiny and small you know it's you're trading down in size you know you have to compare this apples to apples that's the only way this conversation works in my mind if you're going to go purchase another Escape if a new Escape is 30000 that 2013 with 100,000 miles on it is worth ten grand. you are still going to have to lay out $20,000 to buy that car so 20,000 2,000 a little bit of maintenance 20,000 2,000 you know it's a and Lance I can't give you permission just to go out to buy a car if that's what we're looking for I'm not quite I'm not quite sure what the answer for you is but in my mind I always look at it as it's too easy to get out of a car I think a car is normal regular maintenance if the idea is to drive the car 3 years Regardless of mileage, lease it. If it's to drive it till 100,000 miles and it's five years old, that's still a lot of money you're paying every five years, and I don't think repairs are going to total what that car is going to cost you in terms of upkeep and and proper care. Uh, you know, the other thing that's it's really funny, too, and it's tied into the conversation I want to have, and maybe we'll do it this hour, maybe we'll do it next hour, is everybody says, well, I'm going to get rid of the car it has no value. But yet, we get phone calls in the shop all the time for people that are looking for cars for their their their, their teenage son or daughter with 5000 miles as the budget and and Tom
2: how do they yeah, well, like with me, I mean, my daughter got her driver's license. She's a senior in college. I gave her my old Escape, which had 186,000 miles on it. It's still a viable vehicle, and right. it, for her purposes, works like a champ. And if you had to go out and buy a car for her, oh, it, Oh, it'd be at least 10 grand. It'd be at least 10 grand. Yeah, so I just I bought myself a car because I put a lot of miles on it every year. Right, So
0: and I guess I guess I'll close it by saying I don't fall into the trap of the market telling me what a car is worth. I look at my pocketbook and say, can I afford it? And even though you can sit there and say, hey, Ron, you can fix your car, you know what, I still have to buy parts, and it's still my time, of which I have none. As you can imagine, I have a very busy life. So um, I think it's a matter of dollars and cents, and I think what you've got to do in your case is I think you've got to add them up, add up those nickels, and don't look at the value of the car. But look at what it's going to cost you out of pocket to keep buying a new car every couple of years. 855-560-9900. Keep those cards and letters coming, as they say, folks. Like our Facebook page. Ask a question. You may win a Car Doctor t-shirt just like that. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. car doctor here welcome back uh another hour of auto repair just whew, um like this gone eight five 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 six zero let me do a couple of things here eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero is the car doctor's 24 7 number just keep in mind if you're looking for me during the week call eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero leave a message and fast harry will call you back and line you up and he will get you in queue and we can talk about your car problem here and um, you know we can help solve it for you because that's what this radio show has done and will continue to do. Cardoctorshow.com is the website. Tune in iHeart, iTunes, all places where you can find podcasts of this radio show. And like I've always said, if you need me during the week, Ron at Car Doctor Show. Let me just answer one more. Uh, get in here, quick piece of email. This is from Travis, area code two hundred seven. Ron, I've got a two thousand eight Honda Fit. After replacing coils and plugs, I'm getting misfires on cylinders two, three, and four. What could be the problem? Well. Travis, um, listen, I- I'm hoping, A, you've gone back and looked at the work that you did. If the problem wasn't there prior, then it wasn't. It's, it's related to something you did. Do you have the right plugs? Do you have good quality ignition coils? Did you put dielectric grease between the coil boot and the spark plug itself? I mean, there's a lot of things that this could be, but before you go on a tear and start looking at... Uh, you know, the hard stuff, so to speak, quote unquote, let's look at the simple stuff. Let's go back over what you did. And is that an issue? Is it possible that you took out all the coils at once and now have mixed up the connectors leading up to the coils? And by the way, just as long as we're talking about this and, you know, you're changing the plugs, I'm hoping you're using a set of DENSO TTs because of all that they do in terms of performance and uh, you know helping the vehicle run better and uh, just a great spark plug I'm hoping you're putting denso TTs in there and you can see more information at densottcom but let's go back over the basics and figure out why this is misfiring that's where I would go hey running into the car doctor reminding you good mechanics aren't expensive they're priceless see ya